0: Welcome to Bitverse Byte, a weekly podcast about the web industry, tools and techniques, upcoming and in use today. My name is Adam Lista, a web developer from Northern California and Central Illinois. If you'd like to help support the show, please tap the link in the episode's description if you're using the Anchor application, or visit anchor.fm/bit-v-byte to become a monthly supporter. So first up, I want to talk about some news. A couple things that have happened recently. Google is once again uh, looking at some antitrust um, problems over in the EU. So, according to the EU, Google has violated the GDPR by not getting the proper consent for location and activity tracking, even when it's supposedly turned off. This isn't the first time they've kind of faced these issues. If you recall, a while back in Germany, they actually had a problem where they were doing um, tracking and locations and uh, capturing more data than they needed with the uh, Street View cars, uh, so kind of reminiscent of that. But once again, they're looking at facing some additional legal action, and we'll see how this kind of you know plays out. Because they're such a large company, they really could be seeing a lot of fines that could actually uh, you know hurt them quite a bit. But you know, granted with the size that they are, probably not too much. Uh, Going forward, there's a little bit more uh, Google news, uh, you know, kind of around the Dragonfly project. So if you've heard about this, uh, what this was was an internal Google project that was basically a look into what they could do with a search engine in China. And the problem that a lot of the Google employees actually had with this was that the application technologies that they were starting to look into applying were really to kind of further the... Uh, states uh, want to and desire to kind of suppress speech and, you know, really control the messaging, you know, in and around the search engine and what, you know, China itself wanted. And so many of the Google employees believe that this is, you know, kind of against what they believe that Google as itself should stand for and further what they themselves were, you know, wanting Google to be. So I, I believe that more recent news about this is that Google itself is kind of looking to shutting down the project, uh, especially with the amount of uh, you know outrage and uproar around it. Uh, that being said, China is such a large market, and there is so much within it that they really could open up many revenue streams that at some point they're going to want to do more. So this may be kind of a temporary setback, but eventually it would be unlikely that they wouldn't attempt this again. You know, but perhaps they will have learned some lessons and find some compromise. But with the way that China has been currently going in terms of their regime and what they're looking to do, probably not anytime soon. And some different news, kind of along, you know, with the similar GDPR type of um, problems out there, is that one of the first larger GDPR fines actually went out, and this was to the German chat app cuddly, and it was for only 20000 but apparently it would have been much more if they hadn't been so willing to compromise and to help out. And so the big problem was uh, their databases were breached, as has happened many times before, but they also happened to store the passwords in plain text and were subsequently found out after this all happened. And not only was it such an egregious breach, just by the nature of them not even apparently attempting to encrypt, uh, it was a a first good case to set an example, you know, of what not to do. So this is just kind of a preview of things to come. If you're needing to comply with the GDPR, then this is definitely something to watch out for and kind of work your way in. Uh, us in the U.S. don't have to deal with that quite as much, though, as has been stated and talked about many times before working towards those standards is a very smart idea because if you want to avoid future regulation and problems that will undoubtedly come about you know in the next five ten years it would you know and just general good you know business practice and being a good steward of user data then it's definitely something you want to keep going i haven't talked about adam in a long time the adam editor uh, mostly because i've been using the vs code editor for so long but you know I, I switched from sublime to adam a long time back and then from there to vs code but they have released a new version uh, 1.33 and it if you do a lot with github it's a very tightly integrated editor so there's a bunch of performance enhancements some native support for the rust programming language which if you don't know much about the rust programming language it's becoming a more and more popular one mostly just due to its performance characteristics though I hear it I haven't personally programmed in it but I hear it's a difficult language program in but the performance and the security uh, implications of it are quite good and plus I hear you can compile it down to Webpack which um, or not Webpack but WebAssembly which if you're able to do that then you can Make it a much more portable language that can go out to many different places, uh, you know, in the web browser and do a lot of different things, especially with a higher performance. So something to check out. Kind of cool, but if you're still using Atom or not to say it's not a good editor, but, you know, if you're looking for an alternative, it's a very good one. So check it out. Uh, And finally, in a bit of other release news, uh, Magento 2.3 released. So... I used Magento many, many years ago when I needed to create an e-commerce site and I didn't want to use WordPress or something. I needed something more specific uh, for those kind of storefront needs. And they finally released their 2.3 version, which is a uh, highly anticipated release and a very large one. Uh, and with this latest, relief they has, latest release, they have everything from GraphGL to a page builder. So this is a pretty huge one. Uh, they have tons of improvements to caching uh, and a lot of new options. And especially with the, the page builder, if I recall Magento for many years ago, the main problem I had was the templates were very difficult to get to get right and to build on. So that drag and drop type of interface is a huge improvement. So moving on to some links and resources that I found that were useful this week, uh, there's a pretty good article uh, by uh, Aharef's blog, which or a site, uh, about Google PageRank. So many years ago, the PageRank was kind of a one-stop metric, and it's not entirely dead. Although the, problem, you know, the only problem I have with this very good article is it, it definitely is promoting their own product near the end. But it was interesting to read their analysis of how PageRank is still kind of used and what techniques were used to kind of game it over the years and how it's evolved. And I didn't realize, you know, 100%, you know, it was kind of a bit before I truly started doing a lot with SEO stuff, so I didn't pay as much attention to it. Um, But it was interesting to kind of learn some more about the history and how it was used and what, you know, techniques people used to get around it. Uh, and kind of see why you don't do the things you do uh, which seems obvious now but kind of an interesting read about how all that came about and where it's kind of going in the future Uh, there's a good article about uh, php 7.3 which is coming out relatively soon and its deprecations Uh, there are a couple other articles in this series as well and this is all linked in the description but it's it's a great Uh, series about what you need to know about the upcoming 7.3 release release it's also if you've been um, paying attention to the performance 7.3 should be yet another jump Uh, in the performance the PHP has been increasing over the years so it's infinitely faster than 5.6 series and obviously you should be off of that but if you're looking to see kind of what's coming up and what's going to be in the future then it's a pretty good series about what you need to look out for and fine, uh, well, almost said finally, but two uh, articles left, which was CSS Grid in IE. Uh, so there is a, on the CSS Tricks uh, blog, uh, they have a good article about CSS Grid in IE and this duplicate area names. But really what intrigued me about this was that using auto-prefixer 9.3.1, at least, they made a ton of updates to the CSS Grid in IE and making it really work well in cross-platform, which is really cool because I've been hesitant to get too far into using CSS Grid only because I'd still need to support some IE versions. So seeing it as a viable solution for many different versions and browsers would be really cool and could open up a ton of different uh, layout options. And finally, the last article uh, that I, uh, well, resource that I thought was pretty cool was something called Pair and Compare, and what this is, it's a great way to kind of compare two different Google fonts, test out different font choices, see how they look with headers and you know body content, and just kind of add different sections and choose a bunch of different things, you know, uh, line heights and that kind of stuff. Very useful if you're trying to figure out a better kind of look or a different typographic feel to something. So check it out. And then finally, I want to talk briefly about uh, kind of the future of where http and dns is going you know i've touched on this a bit uh, in past uh, news articles and things but there's been some recent articles and talk that have kind of piqued my interest in this and so there is some chatter about what http 3 might look like you know and this is relatively soon after http 2 came out and it was a huge you know uh, jump in terms of functionality in terms of security and what you could do with it but http3 is really a you know evolution of where we're going uh you know i kind of look at the second version of all of it as being more of a larger jump in terms of what architecturally you know the protocols were going to look like and how the web was going to evolve but 3 looks like kind of the where it should ultimately be going which is much more encryption uh much more optimized pipeline for this you know and you can see these kind of things with like dns over tls or uh the more recent articles especially if you're looking at the cloudflare blogs and see what they're doing with it and how firefox itself the browser is really trying to implement this first before most everyone else but they're really trying to encrypt almost every layer you know, so if you're browsing a site, your initial queries are encrypted. Uh, your, you know, what information you're leaking to a server is encrypted. And really, what this is doing is kind of end-to-end privacy and encryption, and you know, overall secure uh, experience. Now, granted, it will take a lot of work on the not only the middleware vendors, you know, those that have to do the network equipment themselves, but also, the websites and you know the uh, DNS registrars and everyone that's really involved end to end with this, and it will be curious to see how this ends up because I think that you have to the balance will be making sure that you can have this end to end encryption, which I believe is a very good thing and good for consumer and the web overall. But of course, there's going to be a lot of pushback in the industry uh, by various entities that would prefer that things aren't as encrypted. So it will be curious to see how this is balanced and how it plays out in the long run. I'm very much hoping that what wins is the you know the the knowledge that having a secure browsing experience protecting the consumer and the uh, user of the internet is a, a much more important endeavor than say having you know that that break in security that would come from watering down the protocols or not truly going the full mile in terms of encrypting that entire experience. But, you know, the chatter is just starting now. Some of the protocols have been slowly developed, and notably the one that comes to mind is what was pioneered by Google, which is the Quick protocol, and that's really that essentially, um, you know, the the UDP uh, implementation where you're adding TCP types of features on top of it. You know, and UDP being that kind of fire and forget protocol, you don't really know if a packet's been delivered. So it it's great for speed, but it's not great for knowing and measuring, you know, your overall connection and how well it might be doing and a whole host of other things you need. So Google layered some of the TCP features on top and now it's being slowly drawn in as the basis of the you know, third generation of um, HTTP protocols. So it'll be pretty cool to see how all that plays out, what happens. But I, for one, am looking forward to that because I think that not only is the speed going to be infinitely better, but I also think privacy as well, which will be a win for pretty much everyone. So with that, I wanted to kind of end this and say, follow this podcast on Twitter at BitFirstByte and Facebook at slash bitvbyte. Uh, Thank you for listening, and please join us next week.